name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here at Incarnation. It's good to be with all of you this morning. I just want to make a note that this section of the gym is actually totally fine. Nothing weird going on here. It's just I, every time I look over, there are a few more people, but it was quite bare when we started the service. So sit wherever you like, but this is a nice section too. Um, well, back in 2017, so five or six years ago, I was at this conference in Phoenix, Arizona, so out in the desert, and it was a conference for Anglicans who care about issues of justice and mercy. It was before this church had started, but I was there with Liz Gray, who was the former rector of this church, and we were daydreaming about planting this church, and we were also there with Eva Elizabeth, um, who is leading music for us this morning. And the three of us decided that as long as we're going to fly all the way out to the desert, across all these time zones, go to this conference, we would stay an extra day or two and go hiking in the desert. And so we did. And the landscape was just stunning. It was so beautiful. I had been in the desert before. I'm from Texas, but I had mostly just driven through it or even camped in it on my way to somewhere else. This was my first time getting into the desert. And it was just so barren and so hot and so dry. All of the vegetation was so prickly and scrubby. There were all these gradations in the rock and in the soil of orange and gray, and everything had been sculpted by the wind into these really severe and strange shapes. And I just loved it. It was so powerful, and it really moved me. And my hiking companions could sense this, because without intending to and without prompting and seemingly without being able to help myself, every few minutes I would just exclaim, wow, guys, this is so beautiful. Whoa, do you see this? Every time we turned a corner in the path and some new vista opened up, guys, wow, this is so beautiful. I think it probably got a little annoying. And Liz has teased me about this for all the years since then. So it's something that I live with, but I really couldn't help myself. It just poured out of me, this spontaneous praise, because everywhere I looked, I saw something that was so glorious. And that is what's happening in today's gospel reading from John chapter 1. We see John the Baptist who himself is a desert dweller. He's in a landscape like that again and again and again, telling the people around him, wow, look, do you guys see that? Look, wow, behold. And in fact, in this gospel, in John's gospel, John the Baptist isn't even called John the Baptist. This is the only gospel where he's not called John the Baptist. In Matthew and Mark and Luke, that's what they call him. But here, John's baptizing work is kind of in the background. It's not the main thing. We don't even see him baptize Jesus in this story. We hear him talk about what he saw when he baptized Jesus. And in verse 31, John the Baptist says, For this purpose I came baptizing with water, that Jesus might be revealed. So in this gospel, John the Baptist is actually John the Revealer, John the Seer, John the Beholder, John the Witness, John the one who has seen the Lamb of God, and he can't stop talking about it. And this morning, since we are in the church season that we call Epiphany, a word that means revealing, 
we're just going to let John the Revealer help us see Jesus through his eyes. And then Jesus, in turn, is going to see us. So just a quick note before we get into this text. We follow this pattern of Sunday readings here called the lectionary. It's at the back of our prayer book and other Catholic, Anglican, Episcopal, Lutheran, some Presbyterian churches also follow this lectionary. And in the lectionary, we go through all the gospel books in a three-year cycle. And we just started year A, if you aren't following the lectionary cycle, which is the Matthew year. So most of this year, we're going to be reading Matthew. But for some reason, the lectionary writers made this sort of a pause, an interruption in Matthew, and we just get this one snapshot from John. I'm not sure why, but because it is just a snapshot, and because normally we'll be reading Matthew, we don't have all the context of John chapter 1 that leads up to the verses that I just read and I'm going to preach on. So I'm actually going to back up a little bit just to give us some of that context before we get into this story of John the Baptist. So John begins his gospel with this beautiful, probably familiar statement of who Jesus is, this really layered metaphor of word and life and light. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In him was life and the life was the light of all people. And Jesus is that word, that life, that light and John the Baptist, John the Revealer here, has seen him. So listen to verse 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. So John the Baptist came as a witness to testify. He came to see and to tell, to behold and to reveal. And the result of this seeing and telling is that all might believe. So we start to see at the very beginning that seeing Jesus, beholding Jesus, it does something to the seer. It does something to John. And it does something through him to the people around him. And then as we keep going through chapter 1, we start to see what that is. The reading in verse 14. The word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, and from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. When we see Jesus, we see glory. We see the beauty and the brilliance, the illumination, the splendor of God. And this glory is now in the flesh. It's now living among us. And the literal translation of that phrase lived among us, is actually that he pitched his tent among us. And that's an echo of another desert story. John's Jewish listeners would have heard that, and they would have immediately remembered all their years of wandering through the desert, and how they would pitch a tent called the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, where God's glory, God's presence, would fill the tent and dwell with them. And John is saying, God pitched his tent, he made his presence and his glory with his people then, and he has done it again now in the person of Jesus. And we have seen this glory. But that seeing is also a receiving. 
We've seen his glory full of grace and truth, and from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. So we don't just see the fullness of grace. We experience this grace. When we behold the glory of God in Jesus, we are changed. Something happens in us. And then it goes on. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is the only Son, himself God, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. John is saying that Jesus is the God revealer among us. Jesus is making the unseeable God seen in our midst. And this, too, is another echo from another story from Israel's years in the desert. John's listeners would have heard those verses and remembered when Moses asked to see God's glory, and God told him, no one can see me face to face. But he said that Moses could hide in this cleft in the rock in the side of the mountain, and that God would put his hand over him and pass his glory behind him, past his back. And when Moses came down the mountain, his face was shining. He was changed. He reflected the glory that had passed him by. And so here John is saying, the glory of God has come by us too. Not this time on the side of Mount Sinai, but right here on this path in the desert. And we have seen it. We've seen what the Apostle Paul calls the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And all of that is a long-winded way of saying what John chapter 1 is saying, that beholding the glory of God changes us. We become grace receivers and God revealers and glory reflectors and witness bearers. And that change that happens in us when we see Jesus, it also ripples out from us. And that's what's happening in today's text. So over the span of several days, one of the days is in an earlier reading, or in the verses before we read, and then we get two days in this one. But John the Baptist doesn't just keep seeing Jesus, but he keeps making sure other people see him too, kind of like me on my hike in the desert. Look, look, look. And we hear him crying out again and again, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. This passage is actually the only place in Scripture where Jesus is called the Lamb of God, or where we get that phrase at all. Kind of interesting, because it's in so many of our songs and images, but it's just right here. And lambs would have been loaded with symbolism and meaning in the imaginations and the stories and the Scriptures of the Jewish people. It's as if John the Baptist is saying, Jesus is the true Lamb that Abraham promised his son Isaac that God would provide. Jesus is the true Passover lamb that will deliver his people from death and from bondage. Jesus is the true lamb that every sacrifice in the temple, morning and night, every single day, has always been pointing toward. And Jesus is the true lamb that Isaiah prophesied about, a suffering servant who would be oppressed and afflicted, and led like a lamb to the slaughter. So when John calls out, Behold, the Lamb of God, he's revealing who Jesus is, the fulfillment of all of their hopes, all of the stories, 
everything they've been waiting for as a people. He's revealing Jesus and he's inviting people not just to see him, but to see him through John's eyes. And they do. So two of John's followers see him, look at Jesus, and cry out, behold, and something moves them. They follow Jesus. And then, as they do, Jesus turns and beholds them. Jesus looks at them. The seeing one sees. And this turning and this seeing, this is the first time we hear Jesus speak in this gospel. These are the first words he says in John's gospel. He asks them a question, and it's a seeing question. He says, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And then the disciples respond with their own question. Rabbi, where are you staying? It's the same word that John will use later, but translated as abiding. Where are you staying? And then Jesus says, come and you will see. And they do. They come and they abide and they see the one that they are looking for. And this seeking, this coming, this abiding, and this seeing, it changes them. Now these disciples aren't just seekers of Jesus. They're not just curious about Jesus, but they become revealers of Jesus. One of them, Andrew, goes and finds his brother Simon, and he tells him, we have found the Messiah. And much like the idea of the Lamb of God, the idea of finding the Messiah would have been so loaded with history and meaning. It's a statement that reveals who Jesus is. It's inviting his brother to see Jesus through his eyes, not just some rabbi in the desert, but the Messiah, the one they have been waiting for, the one they have been hoping for. These seekers who come and behold the light of Christ, they have become light themselves. They're becoming the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that we heard a few minutes ago. I will make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Last year, or last week, we heard the story of the Magi, people from the nations, people from, effectively, the ends of the earth, who made their way to Jesus by this faint starlight. But this week in John's Gospel, the light is not faint, it's not far off, it's right here. It is brilliant. It's the shining glory of God among us in the person of Jesus. And John has seen it, and Andrew has seen it, and Simon has seen it, and they're inviting us to see it through their eyes and to be changed by what we see. And this is how God works. This is how God is working still. For seekers become beholders, and beholders become revealers, and revealers bear witness, and this light spreads person by person to the ends of the earth. So as we close, I want to invite us just to spend a few minutes with Jesus' question and with his invitation to those disciples. Let's see Jesus together, and let's invite him to see us, to really see us. If you feel comfortable, you might want to close your eyes. Sometimes we see better with our eyes closed. And I invite you to imagine Jesus turning toward you and asking, 
What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Maybe you know the answer right away, and maybe, more likely, you don't. Maybe that's Jesus' question to you and to all of us over the coming days and the coming weeks. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? And then as Jesus holds us in his gaze, we can hear his invitation to us. Come and you will see. Come and you will see. Where is Jesus inviting you to come? Where is he inviting you to follow him or to abide with him? God, we pray that we would come, that we would see your glory, that we would be changed. Amen.